Hi, girls. Thank you, Colin. Ah, good evening, family. I remember the first time Colin sung that song, I had to catch him after church and ask him who that song was written by. And then I made a video over it on Facebook, and couldn't even make it through the video without breaking down crying. And you just picture God calling everyone, saying, come through my son who is the door, the way, the truth, and the life, that I have sent him for sacrifice for every man. Awesome, awesome stuff. Amen. Amen. Yes, in this place. So tonight, in light of um, what's happening in our society now, we're going to have a little sexual conversation. And I want to start with something that happened to a lady here tonight. Uh, something that was revealed to her later in life. So she was attacked as a young girl, sexually attacked. She said sexual immorality stems from the yearning, the draw for the closeness, that loneliness that we all feel, that only God can fulfill. We were created with the need to be close in fellowship with God, but people try to fill that with sex, or other vices. Sex is, is meant to be an intimate thing. It's the closest that you can get with another person. Even if it is done in sin. Even in molestation, which is what happened to her, the other person, the victimizer, is looking for that same thing. But with children, they don't fight and they don't understand it. Now we're going to look at some verses that talk about sexual immorality and sexual sin. One thing that we see now is uh, Leviticus 18.22. It says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20.13 If a man has sex with a man as one does with a woman, both of them have done what is 
for it. They must be put to death. They are responsible for their own deaths. Well, what do we see running rampant in our society today? And not just in America, but all around the world. And it's not new. It's something that's been going on for a very, yes, very, very long time. So now we'll look at another one that we see today. Deuteronomy 22.5. A woman must not wear a man's clothing, nor a man wear a woman's clothing. This kind of thing is an abomination to God. Your God. So I brought my dakes with me tonight because this particular illustration on that passage uh, is really, really, really good. It says, Men and women shall not wear each other's clothing or anything that would violate the distinction of their sex. The law may have also pagan practices and idolatrous worship. Men wore the colored dresses of women when they presented themselves to the star of Venus. And women wore men's armor when going before the star of Mars. Idols were frequently represented with the features of one sex and the dress of the other. And the, their worshipers endeavored to be like them. And here's the part I really like. Even today, when idol worship is not as apparent as it once was, it is an outrage on decency in nature for men and women to seek to erase the distinction of their own sex. It's an outrage on decency in nature for men and women to seek to erase We find out in Genesis that God made man and woman, right? So when this says, seek to erase the distinction of their own sex. I like this book. Um, so whether transgender, whether you're talking about gender fluidity, bisexual, homosexual, LGBT alphabet, uh, whatever it is, their outlook is that sex between just man and woman is boring. That's old school. That's our grandparents. That's Old Testament. And we don't want to adhere to that. We want to live how we want to live and our sexual experience is our own, whatever that might be whatever verb they want to come up to put on it. So we look in Genesis 1.27. But God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male 
and female. Pastor did a wonderful sermon today. And one of the points that he made more than once, without directly saying it, is that this is the infallible word of God. This is our life lesson, our study book, and anything that we seek to know is in this. There should be no question. You should not question your identity, your sex, or anything else. It's all been put in here. No. Amen. Yes. So, let's look at 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 2. I also received a a report of scandalous sex within your church family, excuse me, a kind that wouldn't be tolerated even outside the church. One of your men is sleeping with his stepmother. And you're so above it all that it doesn't even phase you. Shouldn't this break your hearts? Shouldn't it bring you to your knees in tears? Shouldn't this person in his conduct be confronted and dealt with? King James puts it a little bit a little different, um, but I like this. I like this the way they put it here. But at the end of King James, it says, "Shouldn't they be thrown out? Shouldn't he be thrown out?" Such a immoral act that even. It even surpasses what some outside the church are doing. First Corinthians seven two. But only within a certain context, it's good for a man to have a wife, and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual, sexually drives, sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. So, we see today that even being married is not enough. God thought it good for a man to get married if a man couldn't contain his own sexual urges that would lead him into sin. But today it's still not enough. Marriage, the value of marriage doesn't hold what it used to. Now it's deemed okay and acceptable to seek satisfaction outside of your marriage. Hebrews 13.4 Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. I like straightforwardness. No, that's exactly, yes. Follow my statutes, follow my laws, 
and you will be blessed. You will be blessed going in and coming out. You will be blessed with every good thing. Your harvest will be blessed. Your barns will be blessed. Your children and your grandchildren will be blessed. If you bring forth the word of God as fruit out of you, that is the labor that he wanted to have for us. That's the labor he wanted to have for Israel. That's the labor he's wanted to have for everybody since Adam and Eve. If we hadn't have brought sin into the world as fallen human beings, where would we be if God would have allowed us to live forever, which was his plan, when we were ready and mature enough after getting enough meat and walking with him in the cool of the garden every day and learning from the source. This is what has been brought in. This is what we have to deal with. And the devaluation of what is good and evil and that gray area in between that has been created by human beings, that's where we sit right now, and that's why our nation is going down. And we're seeing it all around us. It has no, it has nothing to do with male or female or Republican or Democrat or Independent or you know it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with a nation as a whole not turning its eyes towards God and repenting of its sins and Jesus and Lord hearing from heaven and healing our land. That's the whole point. We started in a godlike atmosphere. We're finishing up. Who knows? But it starts with His people. Starts with his people first. Yes. Church. Yes. You, it's a good point. I bring it up, Jennifer, all the time. That your your conscience tries to work that gray area. But with God, there is no gray area. It's black and white. It's yes or no. So when you're confronted with choices, and like we learned about on Wednesday night, your mind starts to. What's the word, Pastor? Rome, Rome will work, yes. And your mind starts to, to ponder on things. That gray area comes up. And if you don't catch it, then you go down the wrong road. Constantly refine you until the day that you go home. Amen. Yes. Amen. Hmm. That's a whole sermon in itself. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. It just got my just got me thinking about anyways. Um wow. <laughs> 
exactly. Yes. 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 I was. I was reminded today to not ever forget the sin that you yourself are sinned out of. Okay, let's move on. First Timothy one ten. Thank you. That's what I'm used to. All right. For fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, it is sin. The, the other side of this verse is it's trying to tell people that the law makes us aware of our sin. And to not be driven to the law, but to salvation. First Corinthians six eighteen. Okay. I'll use this one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. And this is the point of the scripture. These bodies that were made for God, given... Whoa. Okay. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Like the message was saying, God created body that's we'll get to it here in a minute I don't want to jump jump the cart before the horse but the fact that sexual immorality is a sin against the body it is one of the darkest roads anyone can ever travel it can lead to more I don't know what I don't know what the word is. More 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 types of sin, more darkness of sin, more uh, uh, degrad there you go, Pastor. Thank you. Uh, it, it it is a, a hard, hard, hard sin to be in. Ephesians five, three through five. Okay. We'll go back to we'll go back to sin against the body. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it's fitting for the saints.
neither filth, filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse gesturing, which are not fitting, but whether given of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. If you go back to the fourth verse, where it talks about foul mouth, language, jokes, things like that, not fitting of someone who calls themselves a believer, a follower of Christ. And to, to work with someone who, who was saved in the prison ministry and, or says they were saved, and then you work with them and they're cracking foul jokes all the time at work. You, you got to ask them, how, how well do you actually know Jesus? Mm-hmm, like Brother Terry said, yep. Galatians 5, 19 through 24. Now the work of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dis, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. There's more fruits of the flesh than there are of the Spirit, but the fruits of the Spirit will outweigh and outcombat all of those fruits of the flesh. And then the last verse. When we die to self, as we're supposed to do, and pick up our cross, all those fleshly urges and desires are taken away. That's one thing that I really wish people could grasp more of. The only thing in life that's ever free is your salvation through Jesus Christ. And it's the most important thing you could ever chase after in this life. So now we're going to look at six ways to defile the body or six forms of sexual immorality. Number one is idolatry. Voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person, adultery, and someone not of their spouse. Homosexuality. Attracted to one's own sex. Bestiality. Sex between a human and an animal. 
incest, sex between people classed as being too closely related for marriage. Fornication, sex of any kind before marriage. Pedophilia, sexual attraction to a child. Each one on their own is a horrible sin. And each one is a sin against your own body. Well, let's back up to all of these you can find in, in the Bible. In Leviticus, it gives a specific verse against bestiality. Followed not too far after that is a verse specific for incest. So again, this is nothing new. But fornication is one thing that we see happening a lot of now. And fornication leads to what our closing topic is for this sermon tonight. Not just fornication, other things do too. But as we read earlier in scripture, marriage is, is a sacred joining of man and woman. And it's meant to be cherished. And you're meant to be pure going into marriage. Then that nowadays is completely blown out of the water. Mm -hmm. Jennifer was in, working at the school she would come home and tell me in the lunch line of 11, 12, and 13 year old girls talking about who they hooked up with like it's a prize like it's a, a, a game, a contest and then for our schools this is, the, scripture talks about this they think they're helping or doing good so they offer daycare they offer sex ed classes, which have in some states turned into pornography classes. They offer protection and they preach all the time about if you're going to have sex, just protect yourself. It's not helping the problem. It's enabling it.
Yeah, that goes all the way back to our study on evolution, the lie of evolution. It's straight from hell. It makes, it devalues human life. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, not only in the world, but also in churches. It used to be, the second one, homosexuality, used to not be, it used to not be in churches. But adultery and fornication have been in our churches for a while. Uh, several pastors, uh, some that were pretty prominent, succumbed to sexual sin. But now you even see infiltrating our churches and being promoted within some churches is homosexuality. Take what is an abomination to God and put it in front of the congregation. Yeah. Yeah, and God... And, and, yes. pastor ended his sermon with where I want to go on that but I, I don't have time to do it tonight but the day of judgment's coming I told Jennifer the other day driving to Yukon I said it's not going to be a pretty day when that day comes there are going to be some it's not going to be a pretty day for some for those that are going to heaven for those that are saved it'll be a glorious day but for so many, amen, but for so many, mm, so many people, so many people that have, and then even worse is that some of these churches that are promoting this, they think that they're doing okay. They, they like this, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that God is love, and Terry talked about it. He's doing a great uh, series right now on YouTube also anybody check out um, but to have that lie so ingrained in them that they think it's, it's truth that it's acceptable by God it's going to be a really really rude awakening when that day comes um, so kind of the story I shared earlier about from a, a, a lady that's here with us tonight uh, this kind of goes along with it. Nine years old and molested by a, a, a person that she knew. And later in life to be shown that the attacker is looking to fill that void. That close intimacy that can only come that we know of now after our lifetime of chasing worldly things. That intimacy, that relationship, that can only come from the relationship of Jesus Christ. So whether it be by molesting, whether it be drugs, whether it be fornication, adultery, alcohol, pills, prostitutes, pornography, and masturbation, always to find a form to fill that hole that you're trying to, that you're searching for. 
I, and Brother Dan has his own testimony on this also, I, I, I came from the sin. The steroids, the alcohol, were nothing compared to the sexual sin. And that was the sin that I was in when I, I met Jennifer. And we sinned against ourselves and against God because before we got married, we had sex. After we got married and started attending this church, we had a very long and heartfelt prayer with God to forgive us of our premarital sin. After you're saved, you realize the weight that that carries. When you know that it's not only against your body, but against God, and what Jesus did for you upon that cross, the significance of any sin becomes very heavy. Like I said earlier, it's a terrible sin, a sexual sin, sexual immorality. It fills you with an unholy corruption. It eats you from inside out. It's one of the hardest sins to overcome, harder than any addiction, because it is an addiction. The places that your mind goes, the things that you see that you can never forget, it, 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 it leaves a, a scar, it leaves a stain. Even though we're washed clean and made new by Jesus Christ, it's a horrible, horrible place to be the things that your mind thinks about the things that your mind goes to experiment or to try it leads to an ever widening crevasse of death and makes you feel worthless about yourself but also even elevates further that devaluation of others. You think less of others too. Because it becomes carnal, fleshly, not about the connection, but about the deed. So all this brings me into what we see happening right now in this thing called Roe versus Wade. But let me tell you, it goes far beyond a law named Roe versus Wade. This is good and evil. This is Old Testament. This is Elijah on Mount Carmel. And this is not people that you hear screaming and crying to keep the right to kill their babies. It's demons. 
1 Kings 18 through 21. I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the bells. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long, right here, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. We see that very thing being played out right now. Well, just a little history on Baal. And then on Moloch, who was their god of choice that they sacrificed to. Baal was an ancient Canaanite god, a Mesopotamian deity associated with agriculture and life. They were dependent upon him for providing necessary sustenance. Uh, Baal was also sometimes referred to as the son of Dagon. And when I hear that name, I have to think of 1 Samuel 5, 2 through 3. When the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashad arose early in the morning, there was Dagon, fallen on its face to the earth before the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. Came back the next day on its face before the Ark of the Lord. Every knee will bow. Pastor said that this morning too. We're getting to that time, and that time is rapidly, rapidly approaching. I had a conversation with mom the other day. The reason that this has been so much in pastor's spirit and Terry's spirit and my spirit is because we're in the birth pains. And anyone who's had a baby knows that when the birth pains start, it only increases. And the contractions come faster and faster and to the point of birth. This is only speeding up. Things seem to be happening in such a succession now. It's almost too much to keep up with sometimes. So much stuff is happening. So the land of Canaan was devoted to Bel worship. Bel, the semantic word, means Lord. Believed that Bel was an absolute control over nature and people. And one may question these ancient enemies of Israel were as evil as the Bible claims. And at a glance, the Canaanite region demonstrates their inequity by sex worship, perversions, even commanded human sacrifice. And it was a frequent practice in an effort to please their idols that they would sacrifice children and bury them in the foundations of houses or public buildings at the time of construction. 
as Bel. Moloch, an ancient god worshipped by the people of neighboring Israel. While much about Moloch's nature and origin is uncertain, the Bible mentioned Moloch eight times. The first mention is Leviticus 18.21, in which the Lord commanded, You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Moloch. In so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. The worship of Moloch clearly involved ritual child sacrifice. Further, child sacrifice to Moloch was considered profanity against God's holy name. Leviticus 20 and 3 says, I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among the people because he has given one of his children to Moloch to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. Not only were those who sacrificed their children to be stoned to death, those who ignored such a sacrifice would be abandoned by God. Leviticus 20 and 5. Yet this clear and stern warning from the Lord did not end the practice of Moloch worship among the Israelites. Even King Solomon participated. In 1 Kings eleven seven. Then Solomon built a high place for Cheshmos, the abomination of Moab, and for Moloch, the abomination of the Amorites. And on the mountain east of Jerusalem, in addition, this verse connects Moloch worship to the Amorites, one of the groups God elsewhere condemns for pagan worship. King Josiah, which later would later take the law's command against Moloch worship very seriously. In Kings 23.10, says, And he defiled Topeth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that is one that no one might burn his son or his daughter as an offering to Moloch. Even just to read this, and to think that they were so openly engaged in throwing their children into the valley of Moloch, Jeremiah, they set up their abominations in the house that is called by my name to defile it. They built the high places of Baal in the valley of the son of Hinnom to offer up their sons and daughters to Moloch. Though I did not command them, nor did it enter into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Jeremiah 32, 34 through 35. Moloch represents the most repulsive of acts in God's sight. The ritual sacrifice of children to a pagan god. Now back to the, to the finishing point, which is Roe versus Wade. And like I said, if anybody thinks that it's just about overturning the law, it is so much deeper than that. Brother Terry said, and I agree completely, that COVID was a spiritual battle. It did a lot of separation. This is another form of spiritual war that we're seeing played out now. And if nobody watches news or YouTube or anything like that to see some of the demonstrations of those opposed to this, let me just give you a little insight into what. So, not only are mobs of people forming outside of Justice's house, 
threatening them, their lives, their children. Peacefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, a certain actor, actress, Rosanna Arquette, said, Forever, if, if it is overturned, it feels it's such a fundamental right that millions of women are considering leaving the nation to pursue abortion. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, after leaving a session and finding out about this, ripped into lawmakers who approved the conservative judges while speaking with reporters on Tuesday, appearing shaken in anger as an aide helped escort her from the courthouse. The Republicans, this is what she said, have been working towards this day for decades. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. Accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. Exactly. That Yes. 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 That was Miss Harkett also. Yes. Yes. No longer can we just have free love and and hookups and orgies and anything else that we want to do because now we might have to deal with the consequences that come from that. We can't just run and get a, an abortion and take care of our problems. So she talks about leaving. She talks about people leaving this nation. Well, here's just a couple of examples of, of nations that have in kudos to our governor and our Senate and our House for passing what they have passed. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, Mr. Greg Abbott is doing a fine job. DeSantos is doing a good job. There are some good people, yes. But Germany, Germany, abortion is prohibited by 218 of the criminal code. However, it is possible to access abortion without prosecution under the following conditions. If the abortion is performed within the first trimester, 12 weeks, of the pregnancy and the pregnant individual has undergone a process of mandatory counseling beforehand. A three-day waiting period between the counseling and the intervention is also required. 
If the pregnancy is, is a result of a sexual assault or if the physical and or mental health of the pregnant individual is at risk, are there only two allowable stipulations to have an abortion? And this is in Europe, which a lot of people say Europe has forgotten God a long time ago. Not all of Europe, but a good majority of it. In Poland, the government has imposed a near total ban on abortions, including determination of pregnancies with fetal defects, delivering a major blow to pro-choice advocates in one of Europe's most devout Catholic countries. The unexpected announcement that the ruling would take effect resulted in mass demonstrations, kind of like we see in our nation today. A Christian counseling center in Wisconsin had a Molotov cocktail thrown through the window so the inside was set on fire and on the outside was spray painted. If abortions aren't safe, then neither are you. And the worst one that I saw was outside a Catholic basilica in New York. A woman went to the effort to make herself a costume. And attached to this costume was a string of baby dolls. Looked like they were still in the placenta. She's standing on the steps of the basilica. And she's ripping the dolls apart. She's saying, I'm killing the babies. I'm killing the babies. And I'm going to keep killing the babies. Watching that one stirred me up. These are the things, these are the things that I study all the time. But there's still some things that just really take me back. So kind of like we talked about in uh, Simply for Convenience, and like we just talked about a second ago, this gnashing of teeth, Psalm 35, 16, with ungodly mockers at feast, they gnashed at me with their teeth. In hatred that you expose or try to take away their bloodlust and their sin. We know Satan doesn't like to be exposed. That they, they, they can't, like we talked about a minute ago, freely have sex because the easy ability to kill that baby as a consequence of not restraining from sexual acts might be taken away from them. And when the verdict, not verdict, decision that it's official that this is overturned, I strongly believe you're going to see a lot more gnashing of teeth. These are the kind of things, and I'm preparing a sermon now, that we're made to suffer.
seeing how this is playing out, seeing other things come along, seeing all the fires in churches last year in Canada, seeing what California government was trying to do and New York government was trying to do to churches during COVID, seeing that these protesters were on the steps of churches whether anybody wants to talk about it or not that hatred that gnashing of teeth is coming to our doors if we continue to stand and preach God's word truthfully the whole word of God and not bend or conform to the world then we must be ready to face the hatred that the world will have for us and this whole thing we're seeing now is a glimpse of that playing out They say, how dare those pesky Christians hinder or hamper the way we want to live our lives? But if we're not light and salt, we're nothing. The Bible says if the world loves you, then you're of the world. If the world hates you. I don't like to be hated, but I definitely know I'd rather go to heaven than hell. And if it takes me being hated by the world because I speak truth, then you can hate on me all day long. If you confess Jesus to man, Jesus will confess you to his father. So now I'm going to turn this over to Brother Dan because he wants to share what can come out of some of these circumstances. As bad as we think some of these circumstances can be, as much as people want to try and merit that the circumstance warrants the, uh, the termination of life, Dan is going to grace us with some experiences of what can come good from these things. And I'll have Dan close us out in prayer too. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. What a great advancement of knowledge that can be found in our wonderful Word of God here. I'll leave this blessing wide open. Well, like was stated with Brother John, I, uh, I myself come from a long degradation of self-impunity because I I'm lucky to be here, um, you know, several near-death experiences, um, searching for a filling of that place of the carnal sensuality that rests in all of us, that we come out of when we join our Heavenly Father in, in the path that He sets before us. Many, many years I was searching for that connection in all the wrong places and finally plugged into the correct source. And you talk about a weight being lifted. You talk about a deliverance 
um, being bathed in the Holy Spirit, being baptized in water, making a commitment and submitting myself. It was leaving such a weight at the cross of Jesus that that's why I gladly pick up my cross every day now and follow him. Now, about what we're discussing as far as the act of abortion um, and pregnancy in general, I did a little bit of biological study on how this happens in the first place. Not only the physical act that everyone knows because we're all adults, but the fact is that even when people are trying, married couples trying to have children because our wonderful word of God says that children are a blessing to be beheld up to the thousandth generation that he wanted to bless Abraham's children. So when you look at just trying to procreate as human beings do, a woman and a man that are trying to have children in wedlock, in the purity of marriage, in a year's time, in their 20s, have a pretty much about an 80% chance of becoming pregnant in the first year if they're trying. And it goes down substantially every decade after that. All these people that are in standing in front of these justices' houses and screaming out, what about the rape victims? Or what about the, you know, why can't I just be able to take care of my own body, my body, my choice, even though that didn't play out during COVID for any means whatsoever. But if it's my body, my choice, then make the choice to keep your body pure, and you would never even have to worry about this alternative that is abortion. So what about the rape victims that are a choice of human nature, forcing themselves onto another individual at any age? It's a 5% chance of becoming pregnant. One in 20 on one time with unprotected sex. 5%. So, I ask you this, with rapes ramping up, murder rate increasing in all of our urban areas throughout the nation, sin in general, you know, because all these fall within the commandments and the laws that we have written on our hearts because of our wonderful word of God, if that is the case for humanity, then we shouldn't be wondering about what the alternative is if these things happen because no matter what happens, there is only a 5% chance of that creating something that you're going to be responsible for. So why is it such a big alternative for us to want to kill our children? 
when the word of God says, they sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Psalms 106, 37 and 38. We, as a nation, have become so accustomed to this alternative that it is rampaging as a choice for birth control because of what we discussed, convenience, a career. What is this going to do to my body? Why did you enter in the Holy of Holies with somebody that you chose randomly at a club? And took your 5% chance. Why did you, even if you got this forced upon you, it isn't the baby's fault. Take responsibility for your actions. That's what we need to do. And that's what these people did that I'm going to discuss with you right now. There was a young lady in the 40s named Myra. She was a nurse at an insane asylum. One night when she went to work, as she had done for the previous three years, without any kind of alternative practice or anything to worry about going across her shift, taking care of these patients, she got into a ward where all the insane men in the ward had gained freedom. And each one of them forced themselves on her. And she ended up pregnant with these insane men's. She couldn't even know which one was the father. She didn't want to carry the child. So she sought for an abortion. Now in 1943, doctors had some uh, savvy about the human body, what this would do to you mentally, physically. Practices weren't as normal as the suction and souffle that they do now. So the doctor refused. She gave birth to that child. He put an ad in the paper for someone to adopt him because she couldn't take care of him. Didn't want to. She didn't want the baby. You know, the thoughts of raising a child that from this terrible act upon herself. Well, this was in Pasadena, Texas. And a pastor of a church and his wife stepped up to the plate and took the child and raised him as their own until he was about 11. And then she had found another husband and came and collected the child and 
he was about 16 and he couldn't live with his stepfather beating them both and almost shot him but ran back to the pastor and his wife. He ended up graduating high school, going to college. And now that man is known as Pastor James Robeson, who's the CEO of Faith Outreach International. Pastor, actor, author, activist, married to Betty for over 50 years, father, grandfather, lost a daughter at 20, you know, lived through a lot of things and has never given up his love of the Lord that he was ingrained with from birth from that wonderful pastor and his wife. There are lots of people that took responsibility for their own, own bodies. Over the years, doing this research, I mean, these, there's incredible people that have been the product of forcible incursions upon their own body. You may not agree with this politics, but Reverend Jesse Jackson is one of those products. There's a Olympic surfer, nine-time world champion, that's a product of rape. One of the Pitt Jolie children was a product of rape. Her, her mother was 19 years old in Ethiopia and was raped on her way home from work. These things happen because acts of the flesh happen. Just ask Abraham. God said Ishmael was not the promised child. That was an act of the flesh. But because he's your son, I will still bless him. Children are supposed to be a blessing. I have a range of children myself. I lost one when he was two and a half months old. I can't imagine what Lisa shares, having miscarriages. I was a product to a mother that had a miscarriage. When you lose something like that, you lose a part of yourself. And yet these women are willing to elate in the gifting of what God has brought together. Because I guarantee you this, God in all his wisdom, whatever he brings together at the time that he brings it together, it's supposed to be here. And us as a nation, if we'd have had those 60 million children that have been murdered since Roe versus Wade was enacted, our country would not be in the straits that it is right now, asking for people to rush across our border to fill us up with some political vote that are so happy to be here because we still are the freedom that they seek. And this is by no means an indictment on people that have had an abortion because God can forgive everything. We abhor the act 
We love the people. And we're going to close with this. There's a video on CBN of an incredible story. This lady's name is Kathy Barnett. And she was running for the Republican uh, nomination for Senate in Pennsylvania against uh, Mehmet Oz and a guy named David McCormick, CEO of the company. And this is her story. Behind the rhetoric is a deeper story. I grew up in a home with no insulation, no running water, an outhouse in the back and a well on the side. While a childhood of poverty is tough enough, Barnett's entry into the world could be considered a miracle. I am the byproduct of a rape. My mother was 11 years old when I was conceived. My father was 21. And I am so grateful to God that there were adults in the room. I'm so grateful to God that there were, you know, people who came alongside my very young mother when she was in a very broken place. And there I was <laughs> in her womb. I had, I took no part in how I was conceived. And yet there I was, saw me as someone with value. <laughs> I'm so grateful, how simple. And yet, today we have murdered over 63 million babies because somehow we have convinced ourselves that that life has no value, that that life has no purpose. My life is valuable. My life has purpose. Barnett didn't find out about this part of her life until joining the military in her late teens. Looking at her birth certificate for the first time, she did the math, asked questions, and reached out to her mom and then made peace. Well, all of that was blocked out until my daughter brought it to my attention. I, I never talked about it. I never wanted them to think about it. I thought I kept it hid from them, but mm, I should have realized they had their birth certificates. After the reconciliation came another meeting that would change her life. Barnett found Jesus after a dream about the book of Revelation. She heard an audible voice saying, go back home and recalls telling God something specific on the way. I mean, if you are real, and if you can really save my life, and I won't be a hypocrite like some that I've seen growing up as a child, then I want you. And I believe it was during that time from on that train ride from California to Alabama that I gave my life to the Lord. It all started to make sense for her. And I can see how at the age of 19, how he grabbed my hand and he began to show me my purpose and how everything about me is by design. You know, the word of God says that it is him who, who decides the day and the, the time and the place where we will be born. Barnett became the first in her family to finish college, saw success in the corporate world, and is now running for United States Senator. I know what matters most to you and your family because I am you. As a homeschooling mom of two, she's tired of the indoctrination. Oh, we have critical race theory that goes into classroom and teaches little white kids that because of the color of your skin, you're evil, right? 
It is racist. It is wrong. If she wins, Kathy Barnett would become the U.S. Senate's first black Republican woman. She makes a habit of calling out Democrats for using black voters to their advantage. What exactly have we gotten for our loyalty, right? We know what Democrats get. They cannot secure the White House without getting 92 to 95 percent of the black vote. So they get the White House. Well, what exactly have we gotten? The May primary is hotly contested in a state that could determine which party controls the Senate. It's a crowded GOP field. David McCormick has many high-profile endorsements, and he leads the field. Former talk show host Dr. Oz is in the race and has name recognition. While Barnett polls in the single digits, she's gaining a strong grassroots following. She points out that neither opponent is from Pennsylvania. Barnett, who's lived there for almost a decade, wants to make sure voters get that message. These carpetbaggers <laughs> have been spending buku millions. Within the first two weeks of February, Oz had already spent $7 million. Just the first two weeks. Who does that? She pitches herself as a citizen legislator, such as the founders intended. Our nation is in need of good people to get engaged. Our nation is in need of those who will take a long-term custodial view of our country. Our country does not have long-term custodians. How do you define success? What are you trying to accomplish as you, as you win here? Because God can, God's a God of miracles. He can take you all the way to the U.S. Senate, and he can do something else with your life. I want to um, finish this race and hear the Lord say, well done. <laughs> My good and faithful servant, you ran your race that was in front of you. God bless America! She wants an America that gives others the opportunities that she got. Her supporters are praying for her to do just that here in Pennsylvania. We give you glory and honor and praise, and we thank you once again for Kathy and this commitment that she's made. In Jesus' name. David Brody, CBN News, in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Now that's what Christ can bring together. There are no mistakes. There are no coincidences. We are all part of a plan. Whether we submit to that plan or not is the choice we make. And I know as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we just can't wait to see where he leads us. Because he is our shepherd. And we shall not want and we need to pray every day for these misguided individuals that have not opened the Word of God and found out the way a true heart is supposed to feel and how a renewing of your mind can change everything. Anything else to add? Heavenly Father, 
we are so thankful for the time that you give us to share, and the time that you give us to worship, and the time that you give us to come together corporately to acknowledge your presence in all of our lives and to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that your plan is going forth regardless of how us humans can mess it up. You are so long-suffering, and we love you for it, for you told us that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And we can boldly say that you are our helper. What can mere mortals do to us when we are with you. You're in each and every one of us and you want, we want the strength that you give us knowing that you have given us power and authority over every torment, every enemy, every power that stands against you and nothing will by any means hurt us as we hold up our shield of faith and quench these fiery darts that are sailing us every day, Lord, the world shall not have your children. For we are with you and you are with us. And as you told Joshua, you have ordered us to be strong and courageous in the face of all things. And we have no fear, Lord, for we know that you stand with us against all of our enemies. We pray for your strength as we go out of this building and into the world, knowing that we are not of the world. And we ask that our light that you give us shines forth so brightly that people take a second look and ask, how can this be? So we can share with them how they can be different, how they can be changed, and how much you love all of us that you gave your only son as a sacrifice for the world. And we praise you for that. And thank you for everything that you do. In Jesus' name.